As early as the days of Genesis, during the time of Adam and Eve, particularly when they had eaten of the fruit, what was formerly known as paradise became a fallen world. And in this fallen world, we can expect pain, trauma, heartache, distress, and abuse. Today I'm going to be talking about abuse, particularly spiritual abuse. There's many forms of abuse, physical, spousal, emotional, mental. But spiritual abuse is something that Christians don't often think they'll experience. But it isn't long until after they're saved and join the church that they actually encounter spiritual abuse or have known someone that has experienced spiritual abuse. So today, so today I'm going to be talking to you about just that. If you're new to my channel, I just want to welcome you and say that my name is Greg. I hope that this video will be a blessing. And for those of you that are returning, I just want to say thank you for continuing to support this ministry. I hope that this video will be a blessing to you. So stay tuned. For those of you who haven't experienced spiritual abuse, or you may have experienced it, but you just can't articulate what it was exactly that you experienced, I'm going to be giving you some signs so you can be able to identify when someone is encountering spiritual abuse or when you yourself have encountered it. The first one is the imposition of personal expectations on your life. What do I mean by that? First of all, when I say personal, I mean something that isn't biblical, something that isn't a biblical command directed towards you in your life. An imposition, secondly, is when someone imposes on you. So they have certain expectations that they impose on you. And these impositions are personal, things that are preferential, things that serve them or are in a, conven a convenience to the leadership or the pastors. And they will get mad or they will manipulate you to actually fulfill those expectations that Christ himself doesn't ex expect you to fulfill. Now, there is a caution. I just want you to be aware that if the Bible says don't commit adultery and a pastor says, hey, don't commit adultery, that's a different story. But these personal expectations are entirely different. Another sign of spiritual abuse is when pastors create, form, and preach messages that are purposefully intended to serve as an indirect message towards you specifically. Now, when leaders and pastors preach, they should be studious, first of all, to examine and preach faithfully what the Word of God communicates, and also for them to be very prayerful and sensitive to what the Spirit of God wants them to preach. However, when they have personal agendas or ambitions, or they want certain people in the church to do certain things that furthers their agenda, their ambition, their preference, their vision, their goal, or their personal convenience, what they will do is form messages and they will preach it in an indirect way towards the rebellious. Now, of course, a pastor shouldn't be senseless and ignorant to the problems in the church, but when someone is a subject of spiritual abuse, that in that pastor will go out of his way or those leaders will go out of their way to form a message just for you. And it will be obvious to anyone else in the church that he is doing just that. A third sign of spiritual abuse that may affect you indirectly is when the leadership or pastors cannot take any form of correction or accountability. And the Bible says that no one is exempt from accountability. The Bible makes it very clear that leaders too are, are to be subject to accountability. And this indirectly affects the people in the church because if they can't be corrected, then consequently they feel like they're being walked on as doormats and that their opinions and their feelings are virtually meaningless to those 
in the hierarchy of spiritual authority. A less obvious sign of spiritual abuse is actually a form of spiritual abuse nevertheless. And this is when leaders or pastors actually allow you to continue in sin and they leave it uncorrected because you further the agenda of the church. Oftentimes someone may be very good at singing or may be very great at playing the keyboard or at preaching or any other form of ministry or they may give a lot of money to the church. And so as a result, they actually uh, wink over sin. They allow it to go uncorrected and this can affect families. This can affect your spiritual status, your spiritual state and condition. And this is a crime before God and it is an indirect and passive way of spiritual abuse. I'm sure many of you have experienced a friend or a coworker or a spouse who refused to apologize to you. And it seemed almost as if they were perfect because at no time have they ever apologized or humbled themselves or acknowledged the wrong. And even if they did, I suspect that many times it was disingenuous if they're truly a manipulative person. Well, in the church, there's really no exception. In a religious context, leaders and pastors can also demand apologies from you even when you're not wrong. Even when you have done the right thing in the sight of God. And on the contrary, they themselves never apologize when they've wronged you. And if they do, time to time, and they're truly a manipulative and abusive person, it will often be disingenuous. It will be insincere. And it will be followed by no reform or correction of their behavior, practice, or lifestyle. Another form of spiritual abuse is when they create a culture, either directly or indirectly, consciously or unconsciously, of a church that has and accepts inner and popular circles. And you have to continue to comply and do all that is asked of you in that inner circle. And if you do not comply and acquiesce to everything they ask of you, then consequently they will exclude you and ostracize you from that popular inner circle. And sometimes it can be taken in the form of silence or they will directly just say you are excluded. One of the problems that the Catholic Church has is to teach and communicate to those that are converts to Catholicism that their faith is illegitimate if they convert over to Christianity, even though they believe the same Bible. Well, interestingly enough, oftentimes spiritual manipulators and spiritual abusers will communicate to those that are under their denomination or a part of their organization that their faith is illegitimate if they go to a different church or a different denomination. Now, of course, there's an exception if you go to a Mormon church or a Jehovah Witness church or some other form of cult and the pastor's telling you you shouldn't go there. Those are obviously exceptions. But if, on the other hand, these are denominations that are biblical or differ on secondary issues or may even believe the same thing you guys do, but it's just another church, they will manipulate you into thinking that your faith is illegitimate or your um, will fall short of God's best if, if you leave the church. And this is really an elitist mentality and it's a mentality that presupposes that they are the way, the truth. I wouldn't say the life, but essentially they believe they are the way and the truth. And this is very dangerous. This next point kind of overlaps with the previous one. And it's this, the spiritual abusers, no matter how legitimate your concern or your point or your opinion is, will often dismiss 
everything that you have to say with respect to the unresolved conflicts that they have allowed to continue. And they will merely shift the blame back on you or they will ignore the whole situation completely. And so this is another form of spiritual abuse. While many men of God are supposed to be men of integrity and keep their word, many times in the church and in leadership this doesn't happen. And this results in another form of spiritual abuse. And this form of abuse takes form and shape when someone is having a problem irrespective of what the problem is and they confide in a pastor or leadership and that pastor or leadership betrays the confidence that they have assured the individual that disclosed some of their problems and have communicated to other people especially when they have said and promised that they wouldn't ministry is a great thing and often communicates to the people that you're ministering to that you love them yet good behavior is do not necessarily always follow from a good heart. And you got to understand that pastors and leaders are very strategic, especially if they've been doing this a very long time. They've been working with people and have, or are supposed to have, really great social skills. They're very intelligent and should be astute in the scriptures. So you're dealing with, oftentimes, exceptional people. And with exceptional people, you have exceptional intelligence and smarts and wit. And with that form of wit, if you have a corrupt heart, you can do corrupt things. And pastors and leaders can actually do good for you as a strategic move so that they can have a basis and a grounds for you to stay loyal to them and their denomination and their church. And even when problems and conflicts arise, they will simply refer you back to the times when they had done you good. And more often than not, after that trust has been developed, and that bridge has been built, they will stop doing the good and only expect for you to do good for the church. Another form of spiritual abuse is when pastors and leaders have a favorite list and they play favoritism for those who can outdo or outwork the other people in the church. And so when you stop doing all that you had originally done and you stop outperforming people, a spiritual manipulator and a spiritual abuser has no problem um, putting you on the back burner. Even though a relationship had already previously been developed, they will easily dismiss you, shun you, and perhaps even ostracize you. Another form of spiritual abuse is that pastors and leaders often act like popes. So popes, if I'm not mistaken, in particular times, can actually speak, supposedly, on behalf of God with this exceptional authority this exceptional authority basically claims infallibility, infallibility. In other words, that is to say they can't be mistaken. They can't be wrong because they're speaking on behalf of God. And so you are therefore to unquestionably accept what they are saying or what they are teaching. Pastors can also fall into this mindset. Although Christianity doesn't teach this form of doctrine, it, well, at least true Christianity doesn't teach this doctrine, pastors can actually fall into this mindset. And a form of spiritual abuse is when they do not delineate between their personal advice and when they believe God is actually speaking to you. So they will only say, God told me to tell you this, God told me to tell you that. And it's as though God never speaks to you or you can never be right because they claim to have this special authority or they act like they have special authority that everything they advise you on is really God and his will. And you never know what his will is because... Hey, 
you're not the pastor. One of the exciting things is when you're passionate for God and you're passionate for ministry is when you actually develop your gifts and you find out what your calling is and you're excited. You're like, yes, Lord, I love you. And I just want to serve you. I want to utilize my gifts and help other people. But when spiritual leaders and pastors are insecure of your gifts, it isn't long until they start suppressing you and they start manipulating circumstances or start elevating people that you know clearly do not belong there. And sometimes it will show they're incompetent or the church just knows that they're not called to this. But since you don't fit the personal persona or you uh, threaten their pride, they will put you on the back burner. And they will just let you clean toilets or do all these other things because they do not want you to influence the church. Even though it might help the church, their pride will get in the way. And this is an indirect form of spiritual abuse and suppression on the call of God in your life. This is perhaps a more obvious one, but it should be said anyways. Spiritual abusers will expect more loyalty or all loyalty to them, their denomination, their church, more than Jesus Christ himself. I've seen it many times. Pastors will elevate their denomination or they'll create shirts with their church logo and everything. And then sooner or later, you begin to ask the question, where's Jesus in all of this? You're claiming to come in Jesus' name, but you hardly ever mention it. That is, that is spiritual oppression. You expect to, in the work field, to only have employers or fellow employees and you don't really expect very much to make friends. And if those friends come, then hey, you're blessed. But unfortunately in the church, many pastors and leaders only expect to produce employees. They only expect to produce slaves and servants. And they care nothing at all or very little to make friends and have actual sheep for them to serve and lay down their lives for. Jesus is the perfect model. He's the great shepherd. He was a friend to sinners, and he was a, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother for his own people. However, many times, spiritual abusers, if not all the time, will not follow this model. They don't care about friendship. They won't be a friend to you, and they just view you as a slave, and they just want you to serve the church. Serve, 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 until you work your hands to the bone. So I know what many of you guys are probably thinking at this point, like, dang, Brother Greg, like everything that you've talked about, if not most of what you've mentioned, I have been a victim of. And so I want to help you. My heart goes out to you. So I want to be able to help you to get out of this situation. So my first bit of advice would to be, I would advise you to find a trusted friend or uh, a trusted brother or sister that is godly and mature outside of the church that you're currently attending. The reason why I say outside of the church is because more often than not, it's when a pastor or leadership is manipulative and spiritually abusive, like the scripture says, priests like people, people like priests, you can expect that the pastor and the leadership has so greatly impacted and affected that church culture that the people underneath that authority and that system have been infected with this disease of manipulation, trauma, and they will view you through the lens of suspicion and it might very well be the case that you are will be hard-pressed to find a single person that will not, in loyalty to that spiritual abuser, actually snitch on you and spill the beans and betray you too. So that's why I advise you, do not go to anybody in that church because they will view 
you through that lens. So if you want true, unbiased, or less biased help and godly wisdom, go to someone that has never been to that church. And maybe have... Uh, maybe a person who has dealt with spiritual abuse themselves so they can empathize with you and identify what you're going through and show you how they got through it themselves. The second thing is to forgive them and to pray for them. Jesus says to pray for your enemies. And I know that they are not our enemies. They're supposed to be our brothers and sisters. That's why it might be even more hurtful that they've treated you like that. But you have to forgive just as Christ Jesus has forgiven you and you are to pray for them. Although it doesn't justify what they've done, we don't know what they have experienced. We don't know if they've been uh, molested. We don't know if they've been abused themselves. We don't know. And again, that doesn't justify their actions. But it should warrant all the more for us to be very forgiving and compassionate and pray even for spiritual abusers. This leads me to my next point. If you have forgiven them already and you've dropped it, do not gossip about them. Do not continue to pick up the situation as a load of bricks. Put it back on your shoulders and carry that burden and revisit that trauma and that pain. If you have gotten over it, I'm not being insensitive, but if you have forgiven them, just leave it there and don't pick it back up. Forget about it and forgive just as Christ Jesus has forgiven and forgotten about your sin. My next bit of advice is to find a church in advance, a good, healthy, Bible-believing, Christ-exalting, Spirit-filled church before you're ready to leave. The reason for this is because when you are ready to leave, you have a safe place for you to go immediately after you do so. You don't want to wander around for a while because this might just increase the temptation for you not to return back to church at all. So you want to find a great Bible-believing church before you leave. And when you leave, don't do it over a text message. Don't do it through Facebook. Go face-to-face. -face. As hard and difficult as it may be, you want to be able to leave on good terms and for you to share your heart honestly why you have left. I know some of you might be thinking that there's still hope. And I don't want to exclude the possibility that there may in fact be hope. With God, all things are possible, right? If you pray and you commit your petitions to God and your problems to God, He is able to do, able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think. However, it has been my experience for almost 10 years that when someone is a spiritual abuser and a spiritual manipulator, they have serious internal problems. They have serious issues that cannot be resolved or almost and almost impossible to be resolved if they are not alleviated from ministry and they're allowed to detox and heal. So do not think that a mere talk or even good talk or seeing eye to eye will necessarily heal all that all the damage that has been previously committed or change the church entirely. Because that is a difficult thing to change the human heart. And it is also a very thing to change an entire church culture. Because it is very likely that everyone else in there, if not most people, have dealt with all those toxins and have them in their heart. And because of the pressures of ministry and how much those spiritual manipulators are actually requiring that you do, you don't even have enough time to focus on your heart for you to heal. Therefore, you have to be alleviated from ministry. And just a mere talk or even a good talk won't necessarily guarantee that change and that reform. This leads me to my next point. Don't let an apology, even a sincere apology, persuade you or sway the emotions and play on the harp strings of your heart to convince you to stay. You got to remember that your ultimate allegiance 
is is to Christ himself. Your loyalty is to Christ. And even if you had a previously established relationship and friendship, don't let the apology of that friend persuade you to stay because it's, it because it is very likely you will continue to face that spiritual abuse again and again and again until they are alleviated from ministry and heal themselves. And finally, after you've already found a church to go to in advance, you've done all the necessary things, you've sought God, you've talked to him face to face, you've left on good terms, then I would advise you to leave, go to that good church, explain to the pastors what you've experienced so they know where you're coming from, who you are, get to know them. But also, do not jump in the ministry right away. You got to heal. You got to be alleviated from ministry. You got to allow those toxins to detox and you got to allow yourself to heal. You got to allow trust to be developed again. Trust isn't a light switch that can just turn on and off. You're not a robot. Trust is built and it is developed and it grows. It is not mechanical. It is very organic. So allow yourself to trust those people. Allow themselves to be proven worthy of your friendship and your commitment to that church before you dive head in and make sure that you truly heal. Because if you go in ministry and through the mid-course of your commitment to that ministry, especially if you have a lot of responsibility, a lot of people are looking to you, through the mid-course of, of that ministry, you find out some of those pains and those problems resurface and you begin to spiritually manipulate and abuse others, you're in a very tough pickle and you're gonna let a lot of people down and you're gonna hurt a lot of parts. So with that said, I hope that you have been blessed by this video. I hope you've been informed and I clarified a lot of the hurt that you have gone through. In any case, I hope that you can, with a great desire to support this ministry, give this video a like and I really encourage you, give this video three to five shares to your friends so they can be informed about how to deal with spiritual abuse. God bless.